Welcome everyone to episode 86 of A Play on Nerds. This time around we're going to be talking some Star Trek 6, The Undiscovered Country in our featured segment. Not right at this moment, but at our feature segment. That's right. I'll, I'll tell you why I said that in a second, but I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. I'm the other guy. We're both the other guy and we're here yeah. to co-host the hell out of this show. Uh, I mentioned that earlier because we had this lovely comment on our YouTube post uh, for our last episode for Stranger Things. Uh, a guy was like, you guys aren't even talking about Stranger Things. This is bullshit. <laughs> and, so I was like, he, and that wasn't even like the that was like the nice version of what he said. Yeah. He, well, was, a, he was a real sweet guy. Oh, yeah. But I responded nicely. But German like, responded beautifully and introduced him and let him know that we are a full like a running podcast and it is not just the review and he should check it out. Right. And he and Jarman did a good job of dealing with this very kind gentleman who was very even, nice to leave us a comment. And I think starting a year ago, we started telling people in the beginning, we're going to be talking about this later in the episode. But for right oh, no, now, I, I listened to the episode. We absolutely say that like in the first, that every episode. <laughs> yeah, we're typically pretty good about it. So we warn people. He just maybe wasn't paying attention. Not a regular listener. Right. And so we're sorry your experience was less than pleasant. But maybe he'll give us a shot. We'll see. Yeah. Just do it again. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> what have you been up to, Steve? Uh, well, we had uh, Thanksgiving happened. We did, just yesterday as of this recording. Just yesterday, yeah. Uh, so what, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, I actually was lucky enough. My sister, who I've been so close to since I came back from college to Orlando, she recently moved to Denver. Right. Uh, where she's so happy because she loves music festivals and all the things that are legal there now. And um, mm-hmm. so she decided and she was able to fly back with her boyfriend to join us for Thanksgiving. So it was our, my oh, mom, lovely. my stepdad, sister, and her boyfriend. And then my girlfriend was able to be in town, too. So it was a big kind of family oh, Thanksgiving nice. like you want it. We uh, made lots of sides and had the turkey dinner like you're supposed to, you know? What was your favorite? What was your favorite thing this year? Turkey is always the least favorite thing of mine. It's the most boring thing at Thanksgiving. I typically get, I get one serving of it and then I go back for sides. Right. Because the sides are the best part. Like stuffing is wonderful. Uh, Ethan, her boyfriend made this delicious, uh, uh, what do you call it? Broccoli cheese casserole. That was delicious. Ooh, that does sound good. And mashed potatoes can't go wrong. The star of the show for me this year was uh, my sister-in-law, Erica, made green beans with a bacon oh yeah and like kind of like a spicy rub mix it was very spicy and bacony and very good and that, that, that was what i went back to yeah absolutely so that's your um your wife's brother's wife yes okay my that's wife's oldest brother's wife <laughs> gotcha oh and i have to mention it's funny my stepdad every year for the big meals like christmas and thanksgiving tends to make one dish because he's not a big mm-hmm. cook but he's trying more and more and he puts the weirdest stuff in these things usually, okay. and we always pretend to like it, and it's it kind of uses doesn't get eaten very much. <laughs> but this year he made this stuffing with all this fruit and bacon and weird things in it, and he tried it and he's like, "Huh, I gotta say, that's really terrible." <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, we're all so thankful, we're like, "Oh, good, we don't have to eat it now." <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's good the realization was had. 
Oh, that was really good. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I've just been working a lot on audiobooks. Uh, I got two deals at once for the first time. Wow. So I'm, business is doing really well, but it's just a lot of work, but I'm excited about it. So it's fun. Cool. So what, what'd you do? Uh, we went up to Anna's mom's place a day early. We helped set up that day. Family showed up. We ate. And then Anna and I bombed the heck out of there to try to get home before traffic really hit. Oh, yeah. That after dinner rush. And we were right at the front of it and got really lucky. Ooh, that's good. If you got a baby yeah, with yeah. you, that's important. Yeah, that's the thing with baby. The timing is is needs to be impeccable. Mm-hmm. Speaking of baby, so this is sort of a weekly update, but something I was just thinking about earlier. Baby uh, update. Bed. Um, so I sing Joyce a song before bed, probably four or five nights a week. Oh, that's adorable. I know it's adorable. Uh, and what I find myself going back to over and over again are the songs that are ingrained in my head, pretty much from chorus. Yeah. From just hours of repetition and years of doing stuff over and over again. Those are the songs I come back to. And the more I sing now, the more I hear it, the more I realize for a very white school in a very privileged area, we sure sang a lot of Negro spirituals. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know if I was around for much of that. You were in chorus. You sang stuff. But yeah, like, you, were, you were there like a year early, earlier than I was. So you were like I was there a few years earlier. Yeah, but over the course, I, you know, all these songs about being chained to the plow and finding your, your destiny and the struggle. <laughs> or the composer, I know we used a lot, made um, versions of older songs into that kind of feel. Yeah, like, and then took them and made them gospel. Yeah. Like the walls of lot. Jericho came tumbling down. I remember that Joshua one. Joshua fit the battle. battle. Yeah, the battle I remember of that. Jericho. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> and the walls um, came tumbling down. But, yeah, but you know, that sort of song. We did yeah, a lot yeah. of those kind of I songs. I get the you. More, I get you. <laughs> the more I'm singing them out loud to her, the more I'm thinking, now that she's starting to understand language, she's going to get a very weird understanding of my struggles and plights as a white man. <laughs> Because of all of these songs I'm singing to her that I just find myself going back to because, of course. Just don't sing these songs about picking cotton. I think you'll be okay. <laughs> that will be offensive to a lot of people. That's true. Is she learning language now? She's saying things? Uh, yeah, she's got a few words under her belt. Uh, she says cat, uh, cheese. <laughs> uh, mama, data, she uses very differently. Data is typically, this. Anna really does not dig this. Uh, data she uses when she's like excited or kind of like wants something and mom is like when she's upset. Oh goodness. <laughs> or man. Yeah. I'm sure Anna doesn't like that much. No. Uh, <laughs> but Anna's home with her more during the day. So she gets much more discipline and that kind of stuff from Anna just by default of being home more. Right. I get it, but she'll understand eventually. Uh, cracker and cup and cat and a, whole bunch, uh, a bunch of words. She's getting there. Of course, cat would be on the list because cat, cat was her first word. Oh, my goodness. It was. We feel terrible. It makes us feel awful all the time. Does she get uh, does she play with the cats a lot? They get along. Oh, yeah. The cats do really well with her. And luckily, they're still physically able to just get away from her. If she really starts to bug them. Nice. <laughs> they don't scratch at her or anything. No, they've never like maybe once when we had to give the medicine or something scratched at me. Maybe. Hmm. But I can think of two times maybe in the six or seven years we've owned them. So now that's good. But yeah. So yeah, that's uh, Thanksgiving. And at the end of Thanksgiving, actually getting ready that morning, I had the Macy's Day parade on. And this is the first time I've watched it ever in like a very long time. Oh, wow. We watched it every probably year. since I, probably since I was a kid, since my mom was in charge of the TV. Right. Put it that way. 
And that thing is just nuts. There's like 15 musical guests that all roll through and they're all weird, like kids from Disney shows or Nickelodeon yeah. shows. Uh, one of them really hurt my heart. They said, and classic rock group, the Goo Goo Dolls. And I went, oh, <laughs> like ACDC, their classic rock now. Yeah, just oh, it is like what? Almost 30 right. years ago now. <laughs> I know. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> well, it's funny. We were watching it. My, and my girlfriend, Kate, was saying like. Is that the same girl as the last float? And like, no, they just all look the same and they all sound the same. <laughs> These generic pop stars, I have no idea who they are. Like, they're supposed to be somebody, but they're like, it was like young blonde after young blonde who sounded exactly the same. All right, so I've got some, uh, I took a look at some of the history because they mentioned a little bit of it. Oh, cool. Uh, and got some fun facts about the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So it originally started out uh, as a... Uh, Macy's grand opening of their big store and they threw a parade to celebrate it and bring the public out and it did so, it brought in so much revenue that they just did it every year. That makes sense. And a few years after, it stopped being a Christmas parade and started being a Thanksgiving Day parade. Things added on a few years, so like it was a few years later they had the first balloons and the first giant balloons a few years after that. And a few cool things, the Macy's hired their own designers for all the floats in Jersey. And there, you, you see all the huge elaborate floats, buildings, and structures. Everything that they do condenses down into boxes that are 8 by 12. Jeez. Because they have to come from Jersey through the Lincoln Tunnel. <laughs> they have to fit. <laughs> everything has to fit. So everything that you see, all those crazy, big, huge scale things, all fit into boxes. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, those people that walk backwards uh, and like direct all the people holding ropes are called balloon pilots. And there's actually like a written training program and you have to go to practices. I would hope so. And you, have to do and you have to do training to walk backwards for long periods of time, which is apparently very difficult. Do you remember when Cat in the Hat killed somebody a few years back? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, the Cat in the Hat float fell and, and killed a woman. Wow. It injured a lot of people, but just killed one person. But yeah, it's some serious business. Those things fall and you're dead. That's crazy. Uh, and then Snoopy. Uh, is the most seen character in the history of the float in the parade. Uh, he debuted in 1968. He's had seven different balloons and made 39 appearances. Wow. And for those of you who are Canadian or uh, English listeners, uh, Thanksgiving is where we celebrate us killing all the Indians uh, every year. And we well, have not, a lot of food. No, no, no. So that makes it sound <laughs> like it's the day that we killed the last one. It's <laughs> terrible. We're, we're not there yet. Ooh. It's the day that we started. Right. In reality, they teach us in school how it's like, oh, how the pilgrims and the, and the Native Americans came together for a feast in peace. I'm like, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. But uh, yeah, that that was the beginning of a long, terrible relationship of exploitation, murder and rape. So it's pretty awful. And I know Canada has a Thanksgiving as well. They, they do. It was like a month earlier than ours. But I'm not sure what the basis of that one is, if it's related to Native yeah. Americans or anything like that. But I'd be curious to find out. But I try to take it just like Christmas for what it is. Because even though I don't believe in all the mumbo jumbo, I do believe it's a nice occasion to get together with family. Right. Be thankful and get to see each other and spend time to like that. Okay. I can get behind that part of it. And I had no Trump supporters at my Thanksgiving dinner. Hey. How about you? Um. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I won't get into <laughs> it, but yeah. And nobody got into anything. Like nobody starts anything. You should but, avoid those topics. But yeah, we do. And we that's how we don't kill each other in the holidays. It's great. I actually have uh, two conservative friends now in my D&D &D group and my Star Trek watching group, 
And wow. I mean, they're very reasonable people. That's why I can still hang out with them. But we just don't talk about that much. And when we do, That's we true. have a reasonable discussion because they're reasonable human beings. And uh, it's nice. They're not Trump yeah. supporters to put that out there. They're just conservative. And then we roll and then we roll D20s. Exactly. Have a good old time. <laughs> Kill some dragons. Uh, you said that the turkey is your least favorite part. Right. Uh, but some fun turkey facts. Uh, 20% of all the turkey concerns consumed in the U.S. yearly is consumed on Thanksgiving Day. Wow, that same number is for cranberries, too. I heard that in so, NPR something today. Like, something like 48 million turkeys on right. Thanksgiving Day. That's crazy. Uh, Butterball Turkey hosts a hotline uh, that's like an emergency hotline to help talk people through getting their turkey prepped. And uh, they receive over 100,000 calls every Thanksgiving. My goodness. 100,000 people that just get flustered and don't know what to do about their turkey. Like to be part of that call center. That's right. Like, have you tried turning it off and on again? It's a turkey. <laughs> so you've tried restarting it then. <laughs> oh, good. It sounds like we both had pretty good Thanksgivings. Yeah, we see, there was nothing bad. That was great. No drama, no stress. All right. For both of us, that's great. So I think that moves us on to some nerdy news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. So I have tried to make names. You've inspired me for my nerdy news stories. It, uh, mine was really tough this week. Anna will attest. I had <laughs> I had to spend a few days working on it to oh, get that's it impressive. Right. Uh, mine's called dim-witted dumbass due to decisively decease. <laughs> Put that through your brain and squeeze it. All right. So <laughs> Mike Hughes in California, he's a subscriber to the flat earth theory. Okay. is set to shoot off in his homemade steam powered rocket to get high enough to take pictures of the earth and prove to everyone that the earth is flat. Uh, no. So his quote from this article was, it'll shut the door on this ball earth. I don't believe in science. I know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics and how things move through the air about the certain size of rocket nozzles and thrust. But that's not science. That's just a formula. There's no difference between science and science fiction. Oh, my word. Uh, but he did, unfortunately, has some legitimacy because he set the world record for a steam-powered rocket uh, going okay. 1,374 feet in the past. But he needs to go at least 1,800 feet this time to get a proper picture from space or, you know, before you get into space, like the to be able to see that it's, it's rounded or flat or not. Um, he raised $8,000 on a GoFundMe from other flat earthers, I guess, or... People who want him to fail and die, probably. I mean, um, yeah. I throw a few bucks at that. Exactly. <laughs> so, it's funny enough, as of this recording, recording on the uh, 24th, Friday, he goes tomorrow uh, out of the Mojave Desert. He's going to shoot off and try to, in California, Well, I see can't what wait to see how it goes. <laughs> He's, you know, his friends call him Mad Mike. So, let's see what happens to Mad Mike when he shoots off. Uh, well, space. good luck, Mad Mike. I don't wish you any bodily harm, but. Man, you're just wrong, and that's okay. I want you to crash, but not be badly hurt. Yeah. Uh, if, that's, if that's possible, and I want you to... But first, I want you to get a picture and see how it's rounded, and then crash, and then, but not be badly hurt, so you can remember this experience so and learn from it's it. It's like my daughter, Joyce. When she's doing something dangerous, I want her to fall just enough that she like learns a lesson, but I don't want her to get hurt. Because what Michael Caine says in Batman is true. What do we do when we fall down, Bruce? <laughs> 
Vi kan ikke bakke op igen. We must get up. We must get up. We must get up. Oh, Steve is trying to be quiet for his baby, too. A great thing from somebody how to do a Michael Caine impression is to say his name, but say, my cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. My name is my cocaine. Master Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) I will not watch you die. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Let's move away from this before we dwell on it for another four minutes. What's the story you got for us this week, Steve? (laughs) So this is the – I really wrestled over a title. Truly wrestled over a title. Mm -hmm. And this week my title is Raising the Barn for Medicine. All right, all right. I and like it's it. a study they're doing at the this collection of, I believe, Amish people in Indiana um, who have these really rare genes that scientists are now looking at uh, that there's no diabetes, hmm. like anywhere. And they analyze their genes and realize that it's this resistance to this other, to this specific gene that makes it very difficult for them to have diabetes. And uh, some of them have crazy long lifespans. Like well into the nineties, hundreds, totally mentally fine, and so now they're studying that. Um, so yeah, like gene therapy and studying these Amish folk, we could harvest all their good genes, and give it to all the shitty people. And do they think there's any correlation between them just having a healthier life because they're living naturally and that kind of thing? Either that, or you know, you know, one of their ancestors genetically got lucky, and because of the religious setup. They have a lot of kids. <laughs> and they have a lot of kids that, you know, it stayed confined for the most part. That's true. Hmm. They're right yeah. here in the U.S. We got to study these people. Oh, yeah. Absolutely crazy. Because the rest of us are dying. <laughs> yes, we all are. It's true. And what do we do when we die, Bruce? What do we do? We get up, Master Wayne. <laughs> Master Wayne. Master Wayne. We get up. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so funny? Oh, I don't know, but God. Anna's shaking her head, so I know it's good. <laughs> Uh, anyways so uh, that's, yeah that's ra- raising story. the barn for for medicine raising the barn for medicine all right so uh before we get into our main segment so just to let our listeners know we've been doing this back and forth review of muppet movies review of star trek movies and we came sort of to a crossroad where there, even with some made for tv movies thrown in there are just more star trek films than there are muppet films Right. And if you don't know, we're reviewing Muppet films and Star Trek films because both of our favorite franchises, respectively. Yeah. So uh, I love me some Star Trek. He loves me some Muppets. And so we're watching all of them. But yeah, there's a few more Star Trek movies than there are Muppet ones, which I was surprised at, actually. I thought there was going to be about so, the same. So we've decided to group Star Trek five and six together. We're going to do six, finish off the the original series cast. movies, cast movies, uh, and and talk about that tonight. Absolutely. So in the movie, Kirk uh, gets sentenced to prison. We'll talk about it. Why? Uh, so that I was trying to come with something up, but I came up with uh, some prison trivia, a prison <laughs> trivia game. I like it. Um, so I've got some prison slang terms that I'm going to tell Jarman, and Jarman has to guess at what they mean. Oh, boy. This could get they're dangerous. Pr- they're pr- some of them are pretty bad, but I tried to pick ones that at least have some clue. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm scared. Bean slot. Oh, uh, the toilet? 
No. The opening in the cell door that you can pass food and trays through. Well, it's much better than the toilet being a bean slot. All right. Visiting the boneyard. Hmm. Um, visiting the boneyard. Is that the library? No, it's a conjugal visit where your wife doesn't bring the kids. <laughs> so you can go bone. Yeah. yeah you're going to the boneyard. Yeah. Jesus, All I never right. want to go to jail. <laughs> uh, catch a ride. Catch a ride. As in, man, hey, man, can I catch a ride? Is that like get some drugs? Uh, I'll give you a half point for that one. Oh. Uh, because it's get, to get high on someone else's drugs. Uh, pretty much. That's almost a full point. Maybe three-fourths uh, of a point. I'll give you three-quarters of a point. Okay, cool. I feel better about three-quarters it. Three-quarters of a point. All right. Give a little ding there. <laughs> uh, all right. So what does it mean if someone has the keys? Somebody has the keys. Um, they have a job that lets them get around in the prison a little bit more than someone else. You're really, your mind's really working and you're doing very well that way, but no, that's not right. <laughs> well, like, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you're like, really, you're working through it. <laughs> um, so someone who has the keys is the person that calls the shots for a gang or a group. Oh, wow. Like they've got the keys. They're driving. That's a little more intense. All right. Permanent pocket. Permanent pocket. Uh, that's like uh, shivin. Take a somebody. really take a moment. Really take a moment. To think about this one. <laughs> really take just just think about the words. Well, I, I don't want to go about sexual. The words. So I, I want that's well, this is prison. Just I think about the words for a moment. I know what you're trying to go for. I'm not going to do it. I don't care. I, I'm going to say I would prefer this to mean you shiv somebody so now they have a permanent pocket in their body. No, it's the butt. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's the butt. Of course it is. I just want to go there. The rectum is the permanent pocket. There were like four slang terms for the rectum. (laughs) (laughs) Permanent pocket was not the worst one. Oh, my God. All right. And if somebody in prison is looking for wham whams, what are they looking for? Wham whams. Maybe rocks. Cookies and candies. (laughs) You go from the butt to cookies and candies. (laughs) Wanted to throw you off, and it worked. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm going to give you one and three quarter points because you knew the butt. <laughs> like, you knew it. I just didn't want to say it. You were too much of a gentleman to say it. So I'm still going to give you that point because I know you knew it. <laughs> yeah, you I'm glad I was not as good at jail trivia as I was at other trivias we've done in the past. Uh, and then, so get some fun facts I found while looking all this up. Uh, in Brazilian prisons, there are some interesting incentives for prisoners, and one of them is that they can ride uh, bikes for a certain amount of time during the day that power a generator that powers a local village and they reduce their sentence. That's really smart. And the other one is they do middle school style. They read a book and write a report and they can, every one of those that they submit and get passed gets four days removed to their sentence up to like 13% of their sentence. Jesus. It was kind of crazy. Encouraging, you know, research and, you know, learning. And there are now more jails in the U.S. than colleges. Are you serious? Enjoy. Enjoy. Because there are a lot of colleges. There are, but there are that many more jails. Great America. Fuck yeah. Whoa. That leads us into our main segment, Star Trek (laughs) VI. The Undiscovered Undiscovered Country. Undiscovered Country. 
So, initial impressions from you, Steve. This was, I felt, almost the most commercialized of the original Star Trek films. Without going into details of the story, but why commercialize? It felt very produced. Everything was much more predictable. There were many more predictable... Formulaic? Formulas. Yeah, exactly. Kind of more polished at the same time? Maybe. Maybe fit more into the cookie cutter might okay. be the better way to think of it, as far as the way I'm I'm considering it. Um, there are just some very overproduced moments and some very weird moments that we'll get into it. We'll talk. Interesting. But no, not bad overall. Maybe why it's more of a, a liked film, because it's more cookie cutter. Not as bad as the last one. Well, the last one was just silly. Yeah, five was real <laughs> bad. I still like five, though. <laughs> no, it's bad. I like all of them. What am I going to say? Yeah. Uh, so... So the movie opens up, or should we? Do we want to talk through it? What do we want yeah. To do? So I mean, it opens up and they kind of throw you right in the middle of things, but I think goes into more modern storytelling once we get past the long credits crawl, which is not yeah, that's long these it's days, very long. Um, but then we jump into it. Uh, You're on the Excelsior. The, yeah, Excelsior with, with Captain Takai Takay. <laughs> I said his name <laughs> wrong. Damn it! Who is now in trouble with the uh, the media as well. Um, uh. But Captain Sulu is on the Excelsior, and he sees this planet blow up called Praxis, uh, and it's basically the power center of the Klingon Empire. So all of their, you know, dilithium crystals and all their energy is produced there, or majority of it, so they're crippled. And it's also affected their um, the oxygen levels on Kronos because of the explosion. So they only have 50 years left to live on Kronos, their home planet. So that throws things in disarray, and they need to figure out how to help the Klingons if the Klingons want help. So they're going to send over a delegation with, um, uh, what's his name now? I'm forgetting his name. The head Who? Klingon dude. I don't they're know. sending over. Um, so one thing I just, uh, so I wrote down a bunch of impressions when we went through this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in Sula, when they open like in the Excelsior, I have never seen more like useless officers on a bridge anywhere in Star Trek. <laughs> If you look at their scene, that is there are truly fifteen people on that bridge. I know what's funny. Apparently, they all uh, since they're non-speaking people, they just hired stunt actors. Okay, because they're all gonna be jostled around a bunch and not saying anything. So they just hired a bunch of stunt actors for cheaper, and so they're kind of like nondescript, you know, whoever's basically. <laughs> but there's a lot of people on there. Yeah, unnecessarily so. So then, yeah, the breakfast blows up. It's like three quarters destroyed, and then I love that they get this transmission. That's like everything's fine here. You can you can go. Well, first they have the guy going, ah, we're all dying. And then, <laughs> then the guy says, oh, it's fine. Nothing to see here. We'll help uh, ourselves. There has been an accident. Uh, go away. Thank you. <laughs> Leave us alone. I just thought that was really funny. That was funny. Well, I um, loved seeing it, uh, Captain Sulu. It was really. I think he did very well in that part. And they cut to like Kirk and the old gang getting called to this meeting. And um, I thought it was really weird. This is one of those moments that I felt was really formulaic and strange was that like, why did it need to be a big reveal that it was Spock? Yeah, that was kind of unnecessary. Like and maybe there was something else in the script they cut out later or something that made that important, but it wasn't important at that yeah, time. Yeah, but they even at one, like literally 15 seconds before they you reveal it, that someone says like, where's Spock? Oh, I don't know. And they sat down and then he was the only one not there. And they did this big suspenseful moment that which felt like for nothing. That's true. It was kind of unnecessary. He could have walked in with them and been like, and now Ambassador Spock or Captain Spock, I think he is now at this point, um, 
Or Ooh. even they run into him on the way there. And they Spock, what are you doing here? I can't discuss that, Captain. And then You'll he gets called, the and then he get, he gets called to the front while the rest of them sit down. Right. And they could yeah, have that, just even shown him walk in and not that slow reveal. It's like, okay, yeah, we so know that, he's in the movie. that felt like one of those moments that was like, all right, we get it. It almost feels like something was missing there that was cut out later or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, maybe. And it's um, Chancellor yeah, so Gorkon. Sorry, that's his there name. We go. So the Klingons sue for peace because they got to start fixing their world. And the Federation wants to send Kirk because they want to put up like a tough front is basically kind of the reason I understood. Right. And apparently it's all these parallels to the Cold War and how um, there's actually a line later about um, Spock saying you only send Nixon to China. We could only send Nixon to China because he was very anti-communist. Uh, so sending him there was almost like an olive branch showing, hey, we're show we're sending our guy who is, you know, already been anti this in the past, but even he's willing to work with you. Right. So they sent Shatner or not Shatner, Kirk, because he's uh Oh, he's been anti-Klingon in the past. They killed his darn son. So right, by sending right. him, they're like, look, even this guy is willing to sue for peace, so you can trust us. But they already show people in the meeting who are all, like, upset about it. The um, Yeah, there, the there's opposition on both sides. Right. Kirk is actually on the side of not wanting to do it. Spock, he's mad at Spock because Spock basically volunteers him, signs him up. Exactly. So, yeah, there was this whole setup, and, like, Kirk and Spock find themselves on the opposite side. Now they're going to be this ambassador. And, like, there was this kind of moment break where it cut to, like, black and music for a moment. And I said, like, man, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> you said that? <laughs> yeah, I had this moment of, like, man. <laughs> That's a real good setup for an episode. Already, it is a good setup for a plot, though. I like this whole plot is is actually solid. There's not nebulous and weird and stupid like we're gonna go find God for no reason, you know. Like that's kind true. of just if it was all about the Federation and how important this is for the whole galaxy. Like it made a lot of sense. So they get to the Enterprise and you get to meet Kim Cattrall's character, Valeris. Yeah, um, her weird who, haircut. I have major issues with, but we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, and she's like the the first. What's Spock? What was that? Not a Romulan. What is Spock? He's not Vulcan. a Romulan. He's a Vulcan. First Vulcan to graduate first for a class, and he's very proud of that. And originally, she was going to be Savick from the last two movies. Two movies ago, I guess. But that would have been the third recasting of Savick, and Kim Cattrall didn't want to do that. So they made a new character out of it. But it was going to be Savick, and then her reveal later of being a betrayer would have been so much bigger because she'd been around for so long. <laughs> uh, so... After this, so they they set course and Kirk retires to his quarters. And there's this moment that felt so overproduced. And I now know why they had to do it once I finally finished the film, because I did not remember this. Um, but like Kirk, they show he's really struggling and he has this good moment of inner turmoil and these good close ups that he really gets to act through. And they show him looking at a picture of his son. Yeah. And they, they really did a good job of showing. And then he literally says out loud, I will never forgive them for the death of my son. I've never trusted Klingons. And I never will. I can never forgive them for the death of my boy. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. They literally, like, it was like he's a balloon with his inner monologue leaking. Just, just a little bit <laughs> got out. <laughs> like, I often wonder this on a lot of Star Trek TV shows and movies. Like, why do you have these personal logs? Because they say really personal shit on them. And obviously, people can listen to this. Like, yeah, someone is able to. Especially this long in the future, they can hack into that crap anytime they want. So, why would you say these things? Yeah, uh, I don't get it. But yeah, that's man. a good point. Uh, but now, mind you, you it, it is later revealed why it had to happen that way, because right. therefore they had the audio and she recorded it. Like, it, it, 
Because she stole it, obviously. (laughs) Right, right. It was just the way it had to happen. I get it. But it was still bad. They could have phrased it even better. It would have been fine. But it's just so direct (laughs) and kind of, yeah, not very natural. Uh, And then Spock and Valeris share this really weird, almost sexual scene where he ends up making a martini in a decorative candle holder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it was ceremonial Vulcan uh, drink. Oh, they're going to be Vulcan, all right. (laughs) Vulcan all night long. (laughs) Oh, logical, logical, logical. And that was, it was just weird and kind of nebulous. That scene was just strange to me overall. I mean, I I get why they needed a scene to show how close they were and how much faith he had in her to make her betrayal that much bigger. They had to have some kind of scene like that, but it it was a little clunky. And then following this was like the moment that I was like, yeah, this formula is going to work. Um, so they go and they meet the Klingon ambassadors. They come on board and like the moment that you saw Chang. And why is it like Chang? That's so terrible. I was like, I was like, yeah, that guy's the bad guy. Like <laughs> he's got an eye no, patch. Of course he's a bad guy. He's got an eye patch. He doesn't really look like any of the other ones. And he's he, smiling he's old, and quoting right, Shakespeare. Right. <laughs> but I would almost rather it have been some completely random person instead of the guy who was like, yeah, he did it. I have so wanted to meet you, Captain. I'm not sure how to take that. Sincere admiration, Kirk. From one warrior to another. Right. I've always wanted to meet you, Kirk. Hello. (laughs) Twirl my mustache. (laughs) Yeah, the whole, it was just ridiculous. Well, what's funny, I think it's great, though, this meeting on screen is really cool because Christopher Plummer was playing Hamlet in, I think, Toronto or somewhere, maybe Ottawa in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um because he's Canadian, so was William Shatner. And William Shatner was his understudy as Hamlet. So the big night of the play where everyone's going to come to review the play, all the people are newspapers and that and TV shows, that kind of thing, he gets sick. So William Shatner has to take over for him with barely any rehearsals and any notice. And William Shatner does really well and gets really good reviews, and that kind of kickstarted his whole career because just where Plummer was sick. Hmm. And so from then on, they've always been friends from afar because they know what happened because of that. And Christopher Plummer obviously became very successful too. So seeing them on screen together is kind of cool. It's like a reunion above you know, them causing each other's careers, which is kind of neat. Yeah. And wasn't he in the last film too? Uh, not Christopher played- Plummer, but David Warner was like the, the chancellor. Yes. That's who I was. Thinking he was of. just that, uh, the Amer- the not American, the um, earth ambassador that was, on the God mission and all that. Crap. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Uh, but also, we missed uh, uh, Chekhov's line of "Guess who's coming to dinner?" <laughs> <laughs> like making a reference to a movie from 1955. <laughs> timely reference, Chekhov. Oh, very timely. Uh, so, then, like the most awkward dinner ever ensues with booze and Shakespeare and underhanded threats and all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, I like that scene a lot. It was actually filmed in the ready room from Next Generation. Whenever he says staff meeting and they all go for a staff meeting. Oh, yeah. That's you're the right. room they filmed it in. <laughs> Most of this movie was filmed on next generation sets, which is kind of fun. So they send off the Klingons after a pretty uneventful dinner. Uh, Kirk goes laid down and immediately gets called the bridge. They're all hung over already somehow. And yeah. <laughs> it's like an hour later. <laughs> Out of nowhere, they sense this like radiation spark or something and photon torpedoes fire from what looks to be them and hit the enemy vessel. Really bad for peace talks. Really bad for peace talks. Then they show uh, over on the enemy vessel, um, 
the you know the gravity's gone out, and then two Starfleet officers in space boots show up and just start shooting everyone. Can't tell who they are because they got mass. And they finally they end up shooting the ambassador and killing him. Which was actually a really good guy. He actually really wanted peace and then, then get killed. Yeah. Uh, so Kirk and Bones go over to try to help them because Bones is a doctor and people might be injured. Well, also, uh, I, that was a great decision by Kirk because he's like, I, if I need to salvage this peace, I'm going to surrender right now. No questions asked. Like, I'm going to make try to let them know we did not do this. That's right. He does surrender. That was that was a good move. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they end up after the ambassador dies, they end up getting arrested for his assassination. Oh, and one thing before he leaves the ship, which I wrote my notes because I'd forgotten about this. Eventually, Spock was like protesting to saying, you can't go on the ship, but you know, let me go or whatever. And then he's like, well, I guess you're right. You should go. And he puts his hand on his shoulder. I thought he was going to Vulcan nerve pinch him. And then he didn't. And I was like, what the hell was that about? And apparently later, it's because he put that chip on his shoulder that like viridium chip thing to track him. Oh, right. So in that split second, he goes over and puts his hand on his shoulder awkwardly. I was like, is he going to Vulcan nerve pinch him? And then I didn't know what it was about. And then later I watched it again with the commentary and you can see the black thing on his shoulder. Cause he's, so it's very, very slyly done there. It's cool. Uh, so Kirk is going to be tried. Uh, Starfleet doesn't push their luck and doesn't try to extradite him or anything. Their hands are politically tied. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that the ambassador's daughter is now in charge. Is now the head of the council. Yep. Hot clean. And she and she wants to continue with peace. So that's good. Yeah. For now so until they try to Kirk, Kirk and McCoy are tried in Klingon High Court. With Worf. Colonel with Worf, Worf. Which is Worf's father or grandfather. Grandfather. Next generation. Grandfather. Next generation. I read that somewhere. <laughs> yep. Uh, and it's a smear job. The whole case is a farce. It's a big setup to make McCoy look like a buffoon and a drunk old doctor. And make Shatner look like a warmonger. And I still love hearing Michael Dorn's like, I object. <laughs> Sustained. If there was no gravity, how are they walking? Huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want to wake up your baby with wharf voices. <laughs> I mean, if there's, I mean, I prefer that compared to other things. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so they get sentenced to like prison torture work planet. And I love how this is kind of like an episode once again, because it goes back and forth in the A and B story of them on the prison planet and Spock doing like a Sherlock investigation on the ship to figure out who these people were that caused this, all the killings. I like and, if they, and if they actually fired the photon torpedo and if they didn't, how did all everything happen that led up to it? Right. I like that a lot. So you, they get transported down to the planet. It's like a frozen wasteland. There are no guard towers and no fences, because if you run out, you're going to freeze death and die. And a great guy explains all that. That actor was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Missing teeth and shit. Uh, <laughs> Kirk and Bones, like, make an enemy and then make a friend. Out of Amon. David Bowie's wife. Uh, yeah, some lady with weird eyes. <laughs> uh, and then Kirk ends up getting in a fight and ends up kicking this guy in his knee balls. <laughs> yes. I thought that was a great, pretty funny moment. It was interesting. <laughs> the guy is something. Doubles over in pain, re-kicking the knees, this giant alien. You all right, Jim? I think so. They'll respect you now. That's a comfort. I was lucky that thing had knees. That was not his knee. Not everybody keeps their genitals in the same place, Captain. Anything you want to tell me? (laughs) (laughs) It was a funny moment. Uh, So then she mentions that she wants to escape and wants to take them with her. Then they cut back, and they're on the Excelsior... Uh, Captain Sulu is woken and the Starfleet wants to know what happened to the uh, Enterprise because they haven't heard from her. 
And all of a sudden I was like, what the fuck? Christian Slater. Yeah. <laughs> so I found out why what he was in this hell? movie. Apparently his mother, uh, it was a big Hollywood casting director and she did the casting for this film. Okay. And he was like, I love Star Trek, but me in the movie. So they did. Yeah. So I don't know. He's there. <laughs> Sula basically tells him to go away and not tell them anything. Essentially. Nothing at all. Oh my. So meanwhile, they find uh, a book in this guy's locker. Uh, a boot. Boot. I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Did you write down a book? <laughs> Autocorrect took over. So they find a boot in this guy's locker. Um, and check off. There's this big scene where they confront the crewman who the boot belongs to, the gravity boot. And then they're like, ha, ah, we have you. And he's got crazy monkey feet that cannot possibly fit into these boots. And the big uh, inside joke Star Trek thing, which is weird, is that his name is Dax. And in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, one of the main characters is Jadzia Dax. But the thing is, she has a creature inside of her that lives in multiple hosts throughout, you know, hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh, my God, is that one of the old hosts of Dax? But then he's not the right species, so it's not. But it was just a no. happenstance. But it's a weird name. Uh, so they come back to, like, prison torture planet. And they're down. They fit, you know, Shatner and Bones and the lady now a monkey who's now, like, transformed <laughs> into a monkey guy. Uh, going down to the mines and I was looking, I was like, what, what are exactly are they doing down there? Everyone seems to have laser guns and is just shooting rocks with laser guns. Very no aimlessly. One's, <laughs> no one's collecting anything. You don't no. see anyone transporting anything out. Just a bunch of guys shooting rocks with laser guns. And they guns. like going back and forth. Like, that kind of sounds fun if I just got to shoot rocks with laser guns <laughs> all day. <laughs> Hang out with weird monkey people. Yeah, I mean, that, that makeup looks straight out bad. of Planet of the Apes. Like, I bet they just use a prosthetic from Planet of the Apes. It, it did. Like it did it. look very much. Anyways. Uh, and then Morph, to get out of her bonds, transforms into a little girl, slips out of her, like, leg links or whatever. Did you call her Worf? Morph. Oh, Morph. <laughs> gotcha. I don't remember her real name. Uh, turns. So, yeah, so they escape, and then she leads them out through this, like, crevasse and out into the great frozen wasteland. Apparently her name is Marcia or Marta. Marcia. Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. <laughs> uh, so they travel a ways. They finally camp for the night and wham, bam, betrayed. Dun, dun, dun. Shatner reveals that he kind of figured out that Marcia uh, has been leading them into a trap to set up their death. And then this is by per- purely 50-50 chance that he doesn't get killed. Yeah, there because, is no other evidence. Because she looks just like him, and they're both saying, it's not me, it's him, it's not him, it's me. And then uh, they shoot the right one that's not Kirk, somehow. So that could have been the end of Captain Kirk right there. There was He did not outsmart them. They just no, 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 he got 100% them. lucky. Yeah. Maybe that was something cut from the script, too, but no, <laughs> I definitely noticed that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they it's a setup so that it looks like they got killed trying to escape. Uh, and then... Uh, they get beamed up right before the villain is about to tell him, tell them his diabolical plot. Who is behind it all. Yeah. So they get uh, beamed back aboard the ship. And I forget what happens exactly after that. So as it turns out, it was Chang the whole time. But they don't know that yet. I think they found it out because I wrote it. Here's the thing. I literally wrote notes as it was happening. So something made me write. It was Chang. Like we all knew the entire time. <laughs> well, when do they do the mind rape? Is that now? No. Okay. <laughs> that's so. That's they then find the two guards, uh, like unconscious, but they then as if they've dead. been killed. Yeah, because they use stun at like zero range, so it wouldn't set off the alarm. 
smart thinking. Suddenly everyone in the crew is a suspect. Uh, and as it turns out, it was the, it was the she Vulcan Valeris. I'm going to trick her by, uh, pretending that they're still alive and that they're in sick bay. So she comes to finish the job and finds that it's Spock and Kirk and McCoy waiting for her in the dark in the sick bay. So she basically reveals that, that it's a, she insinuates at least it's like a multi-level conspiracy across Starfleet to make this happen. And in a weird, uh, moment for Spock, he basically does the, the Vulcan version of waterboarding by, yeah, he like forcibly hand melds her face. He meld rapes her. Like, and there you're right. There was a moment where it got oddly sexual. <laughs> you keep putting the sexual tension between them. I didn't see it. Oh, I absolutely saw it. <laughs> Maybe you wanted to see it. Well, no, because that was all thing. Spock was like proud of her. And then she was obviously playing the feminine angle. And then he admitted that he was kind of like blind. Because of her Vulcan. Clearly because of her Vulcanism, and his pride. Right. So I, I think it was there. Maybe slightly. Just a little bit. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Uh, maybe. To, to double mind meld. Vast conspiracy, including the guy who Kirk was arguing with at the beginning, or for at the beginning, rather. Right. And then also uh, the the um, uh, Romulan ambassador. the Who um, also you knew was evil. Well, just everyone who was, knew. was slightly against the plan of Klingon peace, they all were in on this to make it not happen. Uh, so now it's like a race to to stop the assassination. Of the, the daughter. Yeah, the princess now or whatever. The yeah. new chancellor. Um, so they have their face off with Chang, where the the Enterprise gets the crap beaten out of it, and then they. I didn't understand what they, what did they do the photon torpedo that suddenly made it find Chang. Uh, well, apparently they were going to be on a gaseous uh investigation already to store to explore gaseous anomalies on the Enterprise. So they have this equipment oh, that would right. detect gaseous anomalies, so that you know every time that they moved. With their impulse power, they'd be able to detect, detect that, and so they'd be able to get the first shot off, and then they're like, target that explosion, and they just target Yeah, and the then explosion. the Excelsior shows up, and then both the USS Enterprise and the Excelsior light up Chang's vehicle, and they blow up, and there was something that really surprised me that I don't think I saw in, in at least the last few Star Trek films. They show, like, the Bird of Prey blow up, and then there was actually a shot of a dummy version of Chang also blowing up. Really? I didn't see that. They showed a quick shot of it of it being like enveloped in flame in a quick explosion. And I don't remember them showing actual people blowing up that often. I didn't even notice that. It must've been real quick. I must've looked it away. It was quick. Something. It was quick. Well, I was glad to have Chang die because man, I like this movie a lot, but he is not one of my favorite villains because they just filled him so much with, with Shakespeare. It makes it unbelievable. It's oh like, yeah. It was ridiculous. Khan, I believe knows some Shakespeare. He grew up on earth and he's very well read and extremely intelligent. And so he would know our literature and our background Chang is a Klingon. Maybe he knows a few phrases here and there, but like, come on. Like, just that's all he was spouting with a smile on his face. And Christopher Plummer's yeah. so much better than that. But I do love the line um, by the Chancellor earlier saying, You have not experienced Shakespeare until you have read him in the original Klingon. Tach, tach, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. And I saw on the special features on my DVD, they actually have the production of Hamlet in Klingon that someone did after this movie came out. Holy crap. And it's just like a bunch of the scenes from it, not the whole play, but it's, I can't believe these actors memorized all that and they're in full Klingon regalia and everything. It's it's nuts. Uh, so then the movie be- becomes a race to stop the assassination attempt on the president of the Federation. The, the strange would, Fu Manchu guy. That would destroy any chance at peace. 
Uh, they arrive just in time. They storm through. Scotty is sent to stop the the assassin, the sniper. Send the most out of shape guy to go stop the sniper. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and so Shatner says, "No, he's president." He takes a dive. The sniper takes a shot. Just do uh, Scotty drives in the door and just knocks him out the window. Did you recognize the president, by the way? Yeah, it was Red. Yeah, from that seventy show <laughs> and from RoboCop. And they corner all the conspirators, and they save the president, and they save the day, and then literally everyone cheers for Kirk. That was the most awkward part of the uh, movie. I was like, why are they all cheering? They don't know what the hell just happened. I literally wrote down, and they all live happily ever after. <laughs> I said, I wrote down, the final clapping scene was awkward and didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> That's all I wrote. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I did not care for it. I mean, then we have... A wonderful, what is good at the end was the send-off narration that Shatner does, uh, kind of like saying, hey, the next generation is taking over. This really is our last film. Captain's Log, Stardate 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no man, where no one, has gone before. And it was, yeah, it was good. He's like, and he says, where no man, where no one has gone before, because that was a big <laughs> sexist thing they had in the old narration and kind of bridged the gap there. Yeah, they were quite sexist. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, so yeah, that was Star Trek Six. I'm I'm gonna say not the worst of the originals. I would say it was better than five and one. All right, fair enough. Hey, what was your thing? You said you had a, a problem with Valeris, but you're gonna say tell what it was later. Oh, they just thought it was really heavy-handed, and from a formulaic point of view, it was like she was new, so you kind of suspected her just because she was new. And they took the time to show that scene where she reprimanded two crew members for being racist dicks. Yeah. And it was like, so that'll offset that. Yeah, the audience will forget about that. And then like, <laughs> but it was, it was like following the bouncing ball of who could it be? Oh, the only other person we've met. Right. Exactly. <laughs> who, who, who on the crew could it be? No, it's, it's her. It That's was her. why it probably would have been more powerful, actually, if it was Savick, because we at least had two other movies with her and you've been a little less likely to believe. Right. The betrayal would have been real then. Right. And you would have felt, oh, I actually didn't really see that coming because she wasn't the only new character. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, that was, and that wasn't a problem with Kim Cattrall or anything. That was a problem with the way that they used that character and the formula they followed. So directed by Nicholas Meyer, same director of mm -hmm. Wrath of Khan. Um, okay. He hasn't directed many films. He only directed nine films his whole career. Mostly he's a writer. Wow. Um, he was a consultant on the recent series, actually, Discovery. Oh, killer. Made in 1991, two years after the start of Next Generation. Mm -hmm. So the name Gorkhan, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the is a yeah. blending of the names Mikhail Gorbachev and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, okay, I like Ni that. Nicholas, Nicholas Meyer modeled off from that. And he has the beard of Lincoln, too, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. The set used for the president's office is a redress of the same set used for the 10 Forward Lounge on Next Generation. So oh, very they're, nice. They're sitting in 10 Forward. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> word, Whoopi Goldberg uh, wanted to play one of the, the Cleon princess in the film, the one that takes over. Um, oh, yeah. But Leonard Nimoy, who was executive producer, did not want to have a, such a well-known star there to distract people because uh, she was mm. currently Guinan on Next Generation at the time. 
Right, that would be distracting. A little bit. I mean, I would have liked her in that kind of part, but, you know. So originally, the sixth film was going to be a prequel to the original Star Trek series. The uh, big-time bigwigs at the, the studios wanted to do that. Um, Ethan Hawke was rumored to be playing Kirk. John Cusack was rumored to play Spock, young Kirk and Spock. Um, but they just didn't get a good reception from the Final Frontier, uh. so they canceled the whole thing. And they decided, just, let's just do a final send-off film for the old cast. And that was decided to do that. And so later on, we, of course, get Star Trek 2009, which eventually does that. As the ah, cool. Yeah, I can't, I can't see John Cusack as Spock, though. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. And Ethan Hawke, like, dye his hair blondish, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, I guess. Weird. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the trivia I got there for uh, that we haven't already covered. A fun mm-hmm. film, but, but kind of by yeah. the numbers, I get it. And there's some just kind of clunky scenes, but definitely not crap. No, 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 not crap by any means, but not great either. And we'll get to some crappier ones later, according to most people, but not to me. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And I said, bounce the graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish. That's the way we do things, lad. We're making shit up as we wish. Klingons and Romulans, they pose no threat to us. Because if we find we're real fine, we just make some shit up. Uh, so you, you have a, a game or a bit or something for us? I do. Now, this... I know it's a little bit later for you, being a dad and all. You might be a little tired, but I'm gonna I require, am a little tired. You're right. Require some acting out of you. Ugh, I'll try. <laughs> so this is called Techno Babble Improv. So is basically, it Michael Caine. Am I do I have to do everything? It's <laughs> Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, no, you do not. Think it's Michael Caine. But what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna read a line of Techno Babble to you. Okay. As if it was set in the show. So you're an actor. You're the captain on the starship. Okay. And you're coming there to do your part as this captain of the starship, Captain Steve. And someone says this line to you, and you have forgotten your line. So you got to make something up. Okay. It has to be in response to the line I give you. It has to kind of make sense, hopefully further the plot in some way, or just be really funny. Okay, we'll try. <laughs> All right. I'll do my best. Captain, I need to reset the transdimensional infuser. Flip the circuit boards and switch to auxiliary. Let's do it quick. <laughs> actually made too much sense. All That's right. right. Uh, I need to realign the subsonic shock data core. Someone get this man a solder gun and a Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm detecting a lepton wave signature in the matter-antimatter reaction feed. <laughs> hey, do you see that on the screen there, sir? There's a lepton wave. And it's in the ma- matter-antimatter reaction feed. <laughs> and I'm detecting a huge nerd, am I right? High fives all around. <laughs> Thanks, Riker. <laughs> all right, the Nadion thrust assembly is offline. I'm going to reroute power through the deuterium flow regulators. <laughs> I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> Don't do that. The deuterium flow regulators aren't meant to handle that kind of load. We can reroute through engineering and pull... Oh, so good. life support if we have to. It was so good for a second. <laughs> I was believing every minute of it. All right, I'll do two more. Okay. Whew. You have to completely resynchronize the primary and auxiliary and auto sequencers, or the resulting output decay will cause catastrophic Thoron dump. But Captain, have you accounted for the transwarp beam effect on quantum release valves? <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds about right. Right? <laughs> of course. Everything Wesley Crusher could respond to. Shut up, Wesley. 
we need to compensate for the gravimetric charge imbalance by rerouting power through the asymmetrical chamber. But, Captain, the asymmetrical charge relays can't operate on that wavelength. We have to switch them to a dichotomous wavelength to overcome the dilithium quantum flux. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded totally believable. I think he did a great job. Audience, give him a round of applause. I, like I think my I, favorite was still still get the, get this man a solder gun and a pop tart. <laughs> still my favorite. Yes, but I like that you were supposed to be the captain and you kept saying captain. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to respond if I was thinking of myself as an underling. <laughs> well, whatever works, man. Whatever works, it's all improv. <laughs> so, I big thanks to sci-fiideas.com slash technobabble dash generator for those wonderful lines that just get generated automatically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good. I like that. It was fun. <laughs> And I said, bounce the graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish. That's the way we do things, lad. We're making shit up as we wish. Klingons and Romulans, they pose no threat to us. Cause if we find we're real fine, we just make some shit up. So I guess that brings us to some trailer reviews? Trailer reviews. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low end of the scale, we have Don't Waste a Match. This movie is so bad that I wouldn't waste a single match to burn it. Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Eh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. So this week we've got two kind of throwbacks to middle school for me because one of them I played in middle school and one of them I read in middle school. Yeah, that's so crazy. You found these. So which one do you want to talk about first? Because I did not read A Wrinkle in Time. I'll read. I'll talk about Wrinkle in Time because I read it. The only thing I really remember about it is that I did not like it. Oh, really? Uh, I was not really big into sci-fi or fantasy yet at the point that I read it. So maybe if I read it now, I'd get something more out of it. But I remember it just being a big pain in the ass. <laughs> I, I remember you reading um the Orson Scott card books like as early as like ninth grade at least yeah yeah but this would have been seventh like oh, I don't, okay. i'm just talking about a little bit before i was really a little bit before finally okay. and even i've always enjoyed sci-fi more than the fantasy side of things is this more fantasy this looks more fantasy than science but was the book science fiction or fantasy i don't remember i was 12 <laughs> um so the only thing I remember is that I did not like it, uh, but it appears to be about a, a girl whose father disappears and it's she gets contacted by him and is, he's trapped in some far dimension and these witches bring her through time and space to help fight a darkness. It's very complicated. <laughs> uh, and there's like a Pegasus at some point and it, it's really confusing. I don't know. You'll hear the trailer. It doesn't help much. Close your eyes. See with mine. You were a top student. But look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Is that his work? What's it about? 
Their dad, he wanted to touch the stars. Imagine that the ant here wants to get to her other hand. The quickest option is to walk across the street. But it turns out a straight line is not the shortest distance between two points. Not if you use a fifth dimension. It's outside of the rules we know of time and space. So the ant arrives in my hand instantaneously. So you fall to space. More likely wrinkle it. heard a cry out in the universe. My father's alive. We believe he is, and we're here to help you find him. We are in search of warriors. Warriors who serve the good and the light in the universe. You're kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? A little. I'm not. I'm not. Your father's trapped by an evil energy. It's too strong for our light. And the only one who can stop it is you. Be a warrior. My love is always there, even if you can't see it. Do you trust me? I trust you. So I think it looks visually stunning. Absolutely. Uh, it has a very interesting like, cast. Yeah, that's what's saying. Very eclectic odd gathering. choices for a cast. Oprah? <laughs> Oprah and Reese Witherspoon. Zach and Galifianakis. Mindy Cowling. Zach Galifianakis. And Chris Carrie. Pine is the dad. But yeah, I mean, it looks like kind of in the vein of Avatar, the style of visual effects and that kind of thing. But yeah, like mind bending, fourth and fifth dimension gateways to other worlds. I don't know. It looks crazy. It could be good. I can tell you right now, I might throw a buck at it, give it a buck, but I'm not going to go see it in theaters. Right. And what actually sells me on movies that star kids is you can pretty much tell from the previews if the kids are decent actors or not. And these kids look like pretty darn good actors. So I'm like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll give it a buck. I would give it a buck. I mean, the only reason I see it in theaters is this recent thing that came out. I don't know if you've heard about it called Movie Pass. Oh, yeah. Where you can go see one movie a day for a month for whatever they they lowered their price i know that right as of right now it's technically 6.95 it's actually comes out to about 7.95 a month but it's ridiculous because you pay 89 dollars for a year and you can see a free movie every day for that whole year um, right and it works like a debit card so no theater can turn it down because it's basically like a credit card that you can only use at theaters and because once they charge it with the card they pay for it um so it doesn't matter but you only see 2d movies you can't see 3d or imax or that crap um, which I don't mind anyway, but at every, every theater in your local area, I'm not sure, not in the U S um, I'm not sure about that yet as far as Canada and other, other countries, right. but it's kind of a ridiculous deal for right now. So I'd say, get it. They don't know how they're going to stay in business, but yeah, if I had that thing though, I would maybe see it in theaters because it looks so visually stunning. I want to see the spectacle of it and that kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, but give it a buck. So uh, what's our next movie, Jeremy rampage. Now I actually, they, the, Rusted Robot podcast, BS the Punch, talking about this uh, trailer. Uh, Those sons of sons bitches. Of bitches. <laughs> Every time Rusted Goddamn Robot podcast. Son of a bitch. Hey, fellow nerds, it's Sean here from the Rusted Robot podcast saying you're listening to Steve and German on a play on nerds. Keep it nerdy, my friends. 
we love you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talk about a lot of similar stuff on our shows, but in very different ways, yeah. of course. Uh, so Rampage was a game that I think both Steve and I played back in the day. Yeah, N64. And in, in uh, arcades occasionally. Oh, yeah. It's been a few arcades. But you played giant monsters destroying a city, and the more you destroy and the more people you eat, the better score you get. It's fantastic. And you co-op with your friends. It's ridiculous, stupid fun. And you played as either uh, like a big werewolf, a big lizard, or a King Kong kind of character. And now they're making it to like a semi-serious action destructo flick. With The Rock. With The Rock. And, And that's exciting. It's weird. You like hanging out with animals more than people. Yeah, well, animals get me. I rescued George when he was two years old. George never would have survived on his own. He definitely trusts you. Last night, George was seven feet and weighed 500 pounds. George, you okay, buddy? You're scared. It's okay. This morning, he's nine feet pushing a thousand. What's happening to my friend? Are you familiar with genetic editing? Changes will be incredibly unpredictable. Is he the only one? Oh, you didn't know about the 30-foot wolf? of a day, huh? Science experiments falling from the sky. Having George on that plane, it's a big mistake. I think we'll be all right. Let's go save the world. You have to evacuate Chicago. George didn't ask for this. They're going to put him down. That's not happening. River. I was just thinking the only thing that's missing right now is a giant crocodile. So Josh and the Rest of Robot podcast was very upset that they're not following to the T the story of Rampage, which I thought was kind of that's ridiculous. What I, that's <laughs> why I showed up for the game. I'm sorry, Josh, but age. the story does not freaking matter in Rampage. For the deep plot development <laughs> and characters. And that's what I fell in love with in Rampage. <laughs> Because the only difference really is that there's humans in the beginning and the humans turn into these monsters in the game, like real quickly at the beginning sequence. Right. Um, But it doesn't matter what I'm upset about, which I think is a little bit more legitimate upset is what's going to make this movie fail is that it's it's a stupid concept. It's silly. Make the movie ridiculous. Don't make it seem all serious. And like uh, the tone is so dark. My friend, he's, he's, he's so sad and he's turning this monster. Help him. And they're playing Smashing Pumpkins, like this really serious song. Yeah, that was weird. Like, what? It's a stupid, goofy movie. Make it goofy and I'll enjoy it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's still a lot of room for it to be goofy, but I agree that I thought it looked like they were making it was like San Andreas 2. Right. Mutants. Like, that's really. (laughs) And the fact that he flies a helicopter and they comment on him like, oh, it's coming back to me. Because you're the same character as the other movie. Because he's the same character. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, But this is another one that I will throw a bucket at. To to relive some nostalgia from my my developmental years, I will give this a buck when it shows up at Redbox or on iTunes. 
I said the same thing because I, I I do love goofy, stupid, uh, blow them up action movies. Uh, I'll, I'll make some popcorn. I'll kick my feet up. Yeah. And I'll watch an hour and a half to two hours of mayhem. That's why I watch San Andreas. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> I just hope it's at least a little more silly than it looks in the trailers because you can't take that seriously. That's right. But I'm glad Negan's in it. Like playing himself, Jeffrey yeah. Dean Morgan, <laughs> like playing Negan. It was weird. I'll give it a buck. I give didn't it a buck. hear about the giant wolf. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have the same ratings for both of our movies this week. That's yeah, cool. that might be that, like that. Maybe has happened one or two times ever. Pretty much ever. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Uh, so that takes us from trailer reviews onto radical recommends. Recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. So what are you recommending for us this go around, sir? So I've got two things, uh, two different forms of media. One is a TV show that we just recently discovered. It is a Hulu original called Future Man. I really want to see that. A mild-mannered sort of failure of a a kid played by Josh Hutchinson uh, works as a janitor in a laboratory. And the only thing special about him is that he is the best person at this one game that has never been beaten by anyone. And one night, he beats the game and thinks his life is going to change. And just when he's ready to give up, two time travelers show up in his room and say, you've beat the, the training simulation. You're the savior of the future. And I like how he's in comments that it's the exact plot of that movie. Oh, what's the movie? No, they, every single episode is like a comment on some major time travel movie. Terminator, Back to the Future, Bill and Ted. Like. Right. Every single episode is a commentary on one of them. Well, the idea of that movie, I think it was The Last Starfighter, I think, is a, a kid gets picked out of the from aliens or something. Oh, yeah. He literally says it out loud at one point. That's the exact wait, plot wait. of Last Starfighter. That's, that's the Last Starfighter. Is that the Last Starfighter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to acknowledge that off the gate so you can just, you can forget about it after that point. They absolutely do. Um, but it's the comedy is really good. And the the best part is, is that like Josh Hutchinson does a good job. And the, the female lead was in the late seasons of scrubs and I recognize and she does. Okay. But the guy who plays the character wolf, who's sort of the straight man is the, the best part of the show. And I've never seen him in anything before. And he's really like the macho dude. Yeah. The macho dude. Cause because he plays the macho dude, he gets his character gets to have the biggest turn oh, as he cool. realizes like what his life would have been if he wasn't born into a post-apocalyptic hell. Well, don't give too much away. Cause I actually really it, want to watch this show. But it's it, it it's really good. I, I highly recommend it. And it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is the best thing it could do. Oh, that's great. Yeah. My girlfriend said she watched a few episodes because since she lives away from me now, she watched a lot of shows without me. Um, but uh, and she said it was too goofy for her, like too much like, a, I don't know, teen humor. But okay, I kind of like that stuff. And that's kind of why people don't like ghosted either. My last recommends I made last time because it's just a little too silly. But I like silly humor. I like having a good time. So it doesn't matter. But there wasn't too much toilet humor for you? No, no, no. It wasn't bad. That's good. My other recommend is a iOS app, and I'm not sure it might be available for Android, called Mm. HQ Trivia. And this is something that my brother just recently recommended to me. But uh, it's an app on your phone that you get a notification. It's like two times a day. And you log in, and you get to see how many other people are logged in. And there's a host that appears on your screen that's, you know... Essentially, you know, a Pat Sajak kind of character, uh, and they ask trivia, and then you get to see people get eliminated as you do questions, and then people win real money. Real money, yeah, uh, ranging anywhere from one thousand up to seventy five hundred. How do you win real money? 
uh, the last person standing. How does the app afford that? Um, in theory, through advertisement dollars. Interesting. So you don't pay for the app. No, you don't pay for the app. But I've seen as many as 125,000 people logged on. So they all you all start at one time and then it goes down to the very last person. Yeah. yeah. And if you miss the beginning, that's it. It's like a live event. Ah, I see. Okay. That's how they can afford to do that. It makes sense. So like this afternoons, I got the notification late. And so I missed it. So I didn't get to play this afternoon. That's nuts. <laughs> but I've made it as far as question five out of the 12, but never any further. Oh, there's only 12 questions. Yeah. I guess they can't control if you're cheating or not. It's very, you could cheat, but you have 10 seconds from the moment they begin asking the question. So typically by the time they finish asking the question, you have three or four seconds to answer. Oh, they give you like have multiple to, choice. Yeah, it's three multiple choice, but you would have to be extremely fast. Right. Extremely fast to cheat. Interesting. Not impossible, but difficult. Um, and I and I recommend HQ Trivia two HQ times a day. Trivia. Uh, nice man shows up on my phone and then asks me trivia questions. And you might win some money sometime. Who knows? And you might win some money. Yeah. That's great. Uh, well, so that's my radical recommend. On top of that, I have two radical recommends as well. Ooh. Uh, first one, and this show is not for everybody. Okay. It's called Nathan for You. Have you heard of this show? Oh, yeah. I love Nathan for You. I think I've only watched the first season, but yes. Dear Lord, I've fallen in love with this show. <laughs> um, so basically, this comedian, um, Nathan Fielder, he's playing a character as himself, and he's still playing that this is him, how he actually is. But it's a reality show in that he goes to businesses and tries to help them with new marketing ideas to help their business succeed or new pra- business practices. And right. They don't know that he's a comedy show. They think he's just an actual person on a reality show who's going to be like helping them with their business. But he gives them these ideas that are usually terrible. <laughs> so um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, uh, well, there's one where he goes to this uh, like center where you go to get your pets put down. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> convinces them to make these really cheesy videos with people's dying pets, explaining to children why those pets are dead. <laughs> yes. And he like puts out an ad for a voiceover actor and he only gets one response. And it's from this Japanese guy who barely speaks English. So suddenly the dog, this kid's dog has a Japanese accent. The kid doesn't understand why. Like, I am so happy that you have decided to move on. I'm I am in it's heaven okay. now. <laughs> so one of the most complicated ones I just saw, which was this is an example of how crazy the extent he'll go and the budget they have for this stuff is he goes to a diner and they want to have more business. So he says, what gets he's very robotic the way he talks and the way he moves you know what what makes people very successful is having a celebrity come and leave a, a large tip in your diner and it goes on the news and you'll get a lot more revenue a lot of people come in they want to see where the celebrity went and so he gets all these celebrity impersonators to come audition and he puts the audition tapes in front of the the owner of the diner and they're all mostly terrible this terrible jim carrey impersonator comes in uh and this one guy is decent but he's for kramer michael richards and the guy's like, oh, that's my favorite. He's the best. And then we know what happened to Michael Richards recently. Right. Horrible instance in the the improv where he uh, said, you know, bad slurs against minorities. We said recently, but this was years it ago. Was still like, but he's like, are you sure Michael Richards is still relevant? He's like, no, no, he's my favorite. I want that guy. So in order to have Michael Richards come in to leave a $10,000 tip, you need a picture of the receipt. And journalists will look into the name and the receipt and the card that, that's used in the receipt and that kind of thing. So he needs to have an actual person named Michael Richards and use their card to leave that $10,000 tip. So he tries to contact everyone he can find in the phone book named Michael Richards to use this for this scheme. And none of them say yes. 
So then he, put, <laughs> then he puts out a Craigslist ad for someone to change their name to Michael Richards legally so that they can open a bank account and then put $10,000 in it and use their actual card. So it's a real car with the name Michael Richards. So the guy comes and does it, but he finds out that he has to have your name in a paper for four weeks saying that you're changing your name to this name legally in order to legally change your name. So he's like, oh, crap. Right. And he doesn't, but he doesn't want to put a major paper because then it'll, the journalist will find that major paper and see that the person changed their name and it wasn't actually Michael Richards. So right. he starts his own newspaper <laughs> and he had to have a large circulation. So he has to circulate that newspaper across thousands of stores across Los Angeles. So that guy changes his name, Michael Richards, four weeks in the newspaper. They have the Michael Richards guy go into the store, leave $10,000 tip, and he gets on one news report and the guy is ecstatic. He thinks his business will change forever. But this is the extent he goes in every episode with these ridiculous it's schemes. Insane. And it's insane. A lot of them are very touching. Like his character is so lonely. So he always wants to find love or find friends and no one wants to hang out with him. And it's just so moving. <laughs> it's, it's just so yeah. fascinating. So sorry. No, I do also recommend you check it out. Went on a rant about that. But you should check out the show. It's not on any streaming services I can find. So you'll have to find it through via Stork. So that's all. Yeah, I can via Stork. Yep. Uh, and my other recommend real quick is uh, Hub habitica.com it's also an app called habitica like habit okay um and it's a you start an rpg character uh you get an avatar and you're basically going on quests that you make for yourself for your habits in life so you put up all these daily goals that you want to meet like things you want to do every day like floss your teeth or clean the bathroom um and every time you do it you get experience points and um gold and you can buy items and you can level up your character and then if your friends join up, you could actually go on quests with your friends. And depending on how strong your character is, you can succeed in your quests and get more gold and buy pets and buy mounts and that kind of thing. But it's mostly dependent on you actually achieving your goals and um, achieving your tasks in life. So it's kind of like a motivator, but also a fun thing to do while you're kind of motivating yourself with to-do items, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Habitica.com or just Habitica the app. Okay, cool. And I'll stop talking soon, but we have a thank you section. Yeah, uh, we do. It's uh, Daniel Hitch. So Daniel Hitch is currently in the process of writing children's books called okay. Bubbles the Pirate. All right. And I like they're, it. They're adorable. And uh, he wrote in his last message for our last episode, he says, I hate .pdf. So basically, he's making his books into PDFs for Amazon. Uh, he said, whole day taken aligning text for the Bubbles the Pirate paperback. Not my idea of fun. On the plus side, catching up on a lot of the Russet Robot and a play on nerds. Hey. Thanks for keeping me sane-ish, guys. Uh, so, yeah. We're here for you, bud. It's uh, Check out his book on Amazon. It's called Bubbles the Pirate. Or you can look for his name, Daniel Peter Hitch, on Amazon and check them out for your kids. Support our supporters because he, he listens to every episode. So it's great. Oh, Bubbles the Pirate. I found it finally. Bubbles the Pirate and Lady Charity. Bubbles the Pirate meets the Knightleys. Yeah, there's four books out now. Yeah, look him up. Daniel Peter Hitch. That's how I found him. He's working hard on it, so check it out. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us again uh, for a lovely, very special episode. We'll come back to you next episode, I believe, with a holiday Christmas special where we are going to review the next Muppet film, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, so we'll come back to you next time with a very special holiday episode to ring in the Christmas spirit and the new year. And wait, who's that uh, movie starring Steve? A uh, Kermit. And who else? Oh, uh, and Marco. <laughs> <Pye>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, it does. <laughs> Darth Michael Caine. <laughs> it's, it's more of gravy. Don't have gravy about you. Kermit the Frog. What do we do Spirit. when we fall down, Kermit? <laughs> Spirit, take me away from here. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> oh, so back. more of that a lot more of that that's true there'll be guys. a lot of that uh, but in the meantime uh, we will keep being your nerdy co-hosts if you keep being our nerdy audience thanks again internet stay dirty my friends uh, huge favor yeah I really gotta pee god damn it German but I won't turn the recording like off. an old woman <laughs> I'll leave it on so we don't have to make new recording alright go 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 right back John and Hank go pee-pee. Oh, poor little John and go pee-pee. Well, I think my order of, of the original series movies, in order of favorite to least favorite, which I want you to do too, is okay. four is my favorite. Nostalgia purposes. It's funny. It's enjoyable. Great character moments. Uh, then maybe two and then uh, five. Believe it or not, then one, uh, then six. But I like all of them so much. Let's see. I'm, I'm like typing it out to make sure I got it right. So I'm going to go two, four, six, two, four, six, three, one, five. Why? Oh, I, I missed three. <laughs> three is my least favorite. It's the most, it's nothing much goes on in that one. I think it was kind of boring. Okay. Yeah. Two, four, and six. And then, so really the even ones being the good ones, I'm kind of, you're on being par with that, that guy. I'm kind of being that guy. No, yeah. that's, that's fine. Two, four, six, three, one, five. Yeah. What was I? I was uh, four. Uh, yeah. Four, two, five, one, six, three. I'm yeah, waiting. our viewers must find this stunning. <laughs> this is really thrilling radio <laughs> right here. <laughs> now we're going to recite numbers and ask questions for the next two minutes. Hey, real, real truck fans will care and they'll be angry about these orders that we just get. That's true, they will. Uh, Why do we force? So that we can learn to pick ourselves up. Still haven't given up on me. Never. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?